there, I'm Leah Ben Miller, the worship leader of the local church, and you're listening to the local church podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold, inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina, and our mantra is our mission, love where you are. We gather for affirming, anchoring, and empowering worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Woods Charter School and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that when they had spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region, and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went from there. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through all, throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of God for all God's creation. Thanks be to God. All to Jesus I surrender Now I feel the sacred flame All the joy of full salvation morning to worship together, isn't it? Yeah? So good to be here with all of you. And uh, if you're participating online this morning, I'm not going to blame you uh, for staying cozy, snuggled up. Glad you're here. Thanks be to God. Um, as, uh, as one does, I've been, uh, I've been thinking a lot about the Pledge of Allegiance this week. Anybody else? 
Um, first, because uh, uh, Emma, my seven-year-old, came home a little over a week ago and super nonchalantly uh, asked or, or announced that she was chosen to do the morning announcements at Pittsburgh Elementary School that morning, and the broadcast journalism graduate in me was just so proud. I couldn't have been prouder. It took me back to my own days in elementary school 30 years ago uh, when I, too, got to offer the morning announcements uh, in the mornings at Glen Allen Elementary School alongside our esteemed principal, Dr. Siegel, over the PA system. Um, a lot has changed in 30 years. Uh, we can carry the internet in our pockets now. Uh, cars can drive themselves, mostly. Uh, Pluto's no longer a planet. Uh, a lot has changed. Do they teach cursive still? That's a Real question. A little bit? No? Um, but a lot has changed. So much has changed. But when Emma shared about her experience doing the morning announcements, we discovered uh, that uh, one thing that hasn't changed is every morning still the day begins with the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, and it's intended to be a declaration of devotion and loyalty to one's country, right? It's a statement of fidelity and faithfulness. The fullness of that sort of allegiance and what it's intended to evoke might be difficult for an elementary school student, I think, to fully comprehend. It was for me, at least. I could, I could spell long words and tell you what a protagonist in a story is, and, uh, and, and I, could, uh, I could tell you the life cycle of water, but the concept of allegiance fully, right, uh, in all its fullness is a concept that, frankly, I'm still working on. Uh, let's be honest. I, I've also been thinking about it because of our scripture passage today, and thankfully, we have some good teachers in Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John and, of course, Jesus. But before we get into that, quick word of welcome, echoing Leah's words of welcome. My name is Brent. I have the great joy of serving here as the pastor of the local church. We hope for three things every time you connect with us in any way. We want you to feel affirmed, anchored, and empowered. That is affirmed in the belovedness as the child of God that you are, anchored in the good news that we share together each and every week, and empowered to take that next step toward uh, God's mission, which is our mission, to love where you are, affirmed, anchored, and empowered. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you're on no journey at all. You have a place here at the local church, and uh, we give God thanks for you. You are more than welcome. You belong. We say that every week, and we mean that every week. We can't hear it enough. Uh, we can't wait to discover the ways that this community is transformed by your presence. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, we'd love to do that uh, after the service uh, today, and uh, also want to wish those who celebrate a happy prosperous uh, Lunar New Year as well. Last week, we introduced a new series for Epiphany that we're calling Come and See. Come and See. Epiphany, if you remember, is, uh, is a season in the church calendar, more than a day, but a season in which we contemplate and consider uh, how God is revealed to us in Jesus. How God's love is made manifest, not in lavish palace, but among the vulnerable, the outcast and the marginalized, and how the incarnation of Jesus, love made local, invites us into a new understanding of who God is, who we are, and who God is calling us to be. That's what Epiphany is all about. We heard these words, come and see, in our scripture for last week, the invitation of Jesus to a journey of discipleship, of transformation, of revelation. And that's our hope for this series as well. It's the perfect series for Epiphany, which is often called the season of light, and this series is all about illumination, about what's being illuminated for us through the scripture we hear each week by attending to the stories and the characters and the voices that we accompany, that accompany us, by drawing near to the one who has come near to us in Jesus. The invitation in this series is indeed to come and to see, to have our vision shaped, reshaped perhaps, 
by Jesus that we might come to see with greater clarity what God wants us to see in ourselves, in each other, and in the world around us. Last week, I shared uh, about how before we can see anything, there's a, there's a pattern here, before we can see anything, we first have to come. And notice, notice things are a little blurry until you get to see, right? First, you got to come. You got to get up. You have to move. Jesus doesn't say, y'all stay where you are and look around. He says, come and see. Come and see it. It's an invitation that necessitates a response. And this week, we're talking about more, uh, more about what that response entails and beginning to lean into what Jesus indeed wants us to see. You ready? You feel good about this? As if you had a choice, right? All right, as we begin, let's, uh, let's just be quiet for a moment. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this new day for the opportunity as we walk through the rain to remember our baptism, to remember who and whose we are. Give you thanks for the new life that this rain will bring. And we pray, God, for new life in us as well. Each of us, is, as Leah mentioned, has taken a step here, God, with all kinds of stuff going on in our lives and in the world. We pray that you would gather it up and gather us up here, oh God that you would move in our hearts and in our lives to come and to see what you would have us see. The people, the places, the situations through your eyes, oh God. Would you make it so this day as we seek to follow you in all fullness. We pray this in the name of Jesus who comes to be with us, to call us, Amen. Well, this week, uh, you heard uh, Krista read a variation of the same story that we heard last week. So if you weren't here last week, get to hear it again. Uh, Jesus calling his first disciples. Last week's version came from the gospel according to John. This week, we hear the same events from Matthew's perspective. And there are some similarities, also some differences. And uh, you may wonder, well, how do you explain that, right? Which one is, is real, is true? And, uh, and to, to explain that well, it'd be like if, if you went home and somebody asked you, what was the sermon about? You'd have an answer, but the person sitting next to you might have a different answer. Are they both wrong? No. Are they both right? Yes, two different perspectives, all right? So that kind of accounts for the different uh, uh, narratives that we, and perspectives that we see in the different Gospels, uh, each one a different perspective. This is, uh, this is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry after his baptism and temptation by the devil in the wilderness, and he launches it with these profound words, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And after he says this, he walks along the Sea of Galilee and sees Simon Peter and Andrew. They're fishing, and Jesus simply says this, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And just like that, they respond. They drop their nets, follow him. And, and then Jesus sees James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and, uh, and he calls them too. And James and John also leave the boat and their father and take off with Jesus. That's it. That's the story of how God call, Jesus calls his first disciples. Might be a story that you've heard a time or two. 
This week, uh, I got to hear it in a new way, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, This uh, is from the First Nations version of the New Testament. This was a Christmas gift from a dear friend of mine. And uh, and this is a thought-for-thought translation of the New Testament by and for indigenous people in North America as a way of reclaiming language and putting the story uh, of Jesus in a more culturally relevant context for uh, indigenous persons. And, and this version is absolutely beautiful. I want to read it here because it can, it can make what's familiar a little more peculiar. It can, it can perk us up and to boot. It's absolutely beautiful. Let it, let it break open your imagination. So here's the same reading from, uh, from the First Nations version. After that, creator sets free, it's Jesus, heard that gift of goodwill, John, was put in jail. So he left that place to return to circle of nations. He left his home in seed planter village and went to live in village of comfort by the sea. This was in the territory of the tribes of honored dwelling and he will wrestle. The ancient prophecy of creator will help us had finally found its full meaning. In the territory of the tribes of honored dwelling and he will wrestle, Toward the great waters to circle of nations where many nations dwell. The ones who sit in darkness where death casts a great shadow have seen the light of a new sunrise. From that time forward, creator sets free began to speak out. Creator's good road from above is close. It is time to change your thinking and begin your great journey. Creator sets free was walking by the shoreline of Lake of Circle of Nations when he saw two fishermen throwing out their nets. They were one who hears, Simon, also named Stands on the Rock, Peter, and his brother Stands with Courage, Andrew. He said to them, come, walk the road with me, and I will show you how to fish in a new way for two leggeds. They dropped their nets right then and became his followers. As creator sets free, was leaving, he saw two other brothers. He takes over, James, and he shows goodwill, John, the sons of gift of creator, Zebedee. They were sitting with their father in a canoe, getting their nets ready for fishing. Creator sets free, called out to them, and they dropped their nets, left their father, and also became his followers. Creator sets free, traveled throughout circle of nations. He was teaching in their gathering houses and telling everyone, the good story of creator's good road. He was healing the people of every kind of sickness and disease. Isn't that nice? Beautiful? What struck me uh, in particular in this reading, uh, this version, this translation, was how it translates Jesus' proclamation that the kingdom of heaven has come near and what Jesus is actually inviting us to do, what repentance and turning and following entail. Go back. Can you go back to the previous one, JP? Thanks. Creator sets free, began to speak out. Creator's good road from above is close. It is time to change your thinking and begin your great journey. When we hear kingdom of heaven, we often think of a place up there, right? Distant. We might think of it as a destination somewhere we're going, but I love the image here of the kingdom of God as creator's good road from above, a path that we are invited to tread, a road on which we take our next faithful step, as if the destination is the journey the whole time. (sighs) Reminds me of uh, how the earliest followers of Jesus uh, referred, uh, would call themselves followers of the way, 
followers of the way or people of the way, creator's good road. And I love Jesus' words to Andrew and Simon Peter when he calls them. Uh, Jesus says, come walk the road with me and I will show you how to fish in a new way for two leggeds, for two leggeds. Come walk the road with me, Jesus says. How about that for an invitation? But where does this road lead? To get a better sense of exactly what's at stake, we have to understand first century Capernaum and and what it means to be a fisherman there. As I mentioned, uh, Capernaum is situated uh, on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. You can see it there uh, in red. Uh, And like so much of first century Palestine in its day, Capernaum was under Roman occupation. And so not only is fishing considered among the lowest of the low in terms of work, but fishing as an industry is strictly regulated by Roman law at the time. And this means that Roman taxis and and levies strip any sort of potential profit from the fish that they would catch. And it also means that because the sea is also controlled by Rome, that they can't even work without paying for a lease to get out on the water. There are certain quotas that have to be met to keep the lease, like how much and of what kind of fish need to be caught and exported, all to keep that lease. The bottom line is that the fishermen on the banks of the Sea of Galilee are caught in an an unjust system designed to keep them poor while doing grueling work, all to help make sure that the dietary staple of fish finds its way to the tables of the elite and theirs if they're lucky. In other words, Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John aren't just out on the boat relaxing, seeing what they might catch, something like you might do on a nice day on Jordan Lake. This is instead their livelihood. This work is hard. The wages are few. The system is unjust, and there's no end in sight. Until Jesus, creator sets free, shows up to live up to his name. Because when Jesus tells Simon, Peter, and Andrew to follow him, they immediately drop their nets. But it's so much more than that, isn't it? It's so much more than that. The nets are more than a simple tool used to catch fish because they are what they represent too. When they leave their nets, the fishermen are leaving behind the ways that they've been taken advantage of. They're leaving behind their disenfranchisement. They're leaving behind an oppressive system that has kept them poor and marginalized. They're leaving behind a life conscripted to empire. Even their family. James and John leave their father, remember. When they drop their nets, they're leaving behind a death-dealing, life-defeating way of being. A life of dissatisfaction and relentless disappointment, devoid of hope to instead follow Jesus. To pledge their full allegiance, not to Caesar, but to God who offers an alternative way of living and being and moving in the world. To join him on the good road from above toward justice and peace, belonging, hope, love, and liberation. Creator sets free Indeed, for them, this dream, this journey, this road is one worth giving up everything to follow, to pledge their allegiance to this rabbi who's come near to set them free and to see where this road leads. Are you with me? You with me? So you might be asking then, what about us? What about us? Maybe you're not necessarily feeling like a first century fisherman in Capernaum this morning. And if that's true, thanks be to God. Call it a blessing. Call it what it is. 
But in some ways, perhaps you can relate. Maybe you feel stuck, like you've reached a dead end. Maybe hope seems a little too far off. Perhaps the grief and the shame can feel all-encompassing at times, and you're, you're longing for a new road, for something different. And if that's true for you, the good news is that Jesus, creator, sets free, has come near, is coming near, and is calling to you to join with outstretched arms, to join on this good road from above toward healing, belonging, and the life that really is life. If that's where you are this morning, hear that invitation. But I also realize that it may be tough for some of us to relate fully to those we meet in this story today. Things might seem more or less okay, manageable, if nothing else, right? I get that too. And so two thoughts then. First, while you may not feel like you're caught in a system of oppression yourself, bound by injustice, struggling to make ends meet, feeling like you are in a hopeless situation, there are still plenty of people who do. Whether it's those who are unhoused in our community on a morning like this, those who feel trapped in an abusive relationship, those who have to choose between buying food or diapers for their kids, those who are marginalized because of who they love, those who constantly find themselves bumping up against or bound by systemic racism or seemingly unending cycles of poverty? What if part of what it means to leave our own nets and walk down this good road is to come alongside others on the path, to help others, to hear their stories, their heartache, the pain of our fellow travelers, and to discern how to be a part of their liberation as well? finding perhaps even that, that their liberation and ours are bound up together, to come and to see them, really see them in the name of creator sets free, Jesus. What if? And this is related actually to my second thought, how well we see and what binds us and sometimes blinds us even. Earlier this week during our uh, weekly time to get together, Leah and I were, were talking about this passage, and, and she made a really good point. Jesus tells Simon, Peter, and Andrew to follow him. And yet, Leah talked about in our meeting how this word follow has become so watered down for us. She's right. Think about it. Think about Twitter. Maybe you don't want to think about Twitter. Think about uh, Instagram. Think about Instagram. It's an Elon Musk joke. Um, think, about, think about TikTok. Uh, or the email newsletters that you follow, that you subscribe to, the writer's that you follow, right? Think about them. To follow somebody has come to mean something like, I subscribe to your thoughts or I like your aesthetic, right? All you have to do is press a button. Followed, right? But is that what Jesus has in mind here? When we think about follow, we think about your videos are funny or I'm going to take a piece of this and apply it to my own life and leave the rest whatever I don't need. But is that what it means to follow? To follow Jesus is different. The invitation to follow Jesus is more than just taking what works and leaving what doesn't. It's more than just tapping a button. It's more than another swipe up. More than a good idea or a nice aesthetic that you might want to apply to your life, but you might not. To follow Jesus is life-encompassing. It means everything. It means everything. It means fully giving ourselves over in devotion 
and faith and allegiance to, to let it lay claim to how we live and move in the world. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. This is what it really means to follow Jesus. This is the invitation. It's as radical of a turn as Simon Peter and Andrew illustrate. And so to follow Jesus then is to examine all of the things that make up our lives, our priorities, our calendars, what we say, what we buy, where we buy it from, how we invest, what we eat, how we work, who benefits, how we treat our neighbors, all of it. All of it. And to figure out then whether these things are keeping us on the good road or causing us to drive off the cliff a little bit. Whether they're leading to shalom, to wholeness, to liberation, to justice, or causing us to swerve. Bumping against those, the, the strip on the side of the road, right? For instance, questions we might ask, just examples. Where does our food come from? How is it sourced? What happens to our clothes when we no longer need them? Where does our waste go? Do I need the two-day shipping? What's the environmental impact of this action? Are they being paid a living wage? Where's my money going? Am I benefiting from a system of oppression like white supremacy? Am I offering compassion here? How am I spending my day? When we dig in and when we ask these questions and do this work, we might discover, you ready? That we're more bound than we thought we were. More caught in a death-dealing, life-defeating way of being than maybe we had realized. That we're not nearly as free as we had believed. Because if following Jesus is just one part of our lives, nicely compartmentalized, I'll let it out one hour a week, the reality is that we're going to miss a lot. We're going to miss a lot of what God wants us to see. There's a lot that will keep us blind. That's how it's designed. There's a lot that, that keeps us just mindlessly scrolling and swiping up. There's a lot that keeps us bound. But if we're really following Jesus, letting this journey shape our whole lives, then our whole lives will start to change step by step. And what God wants us to see is going to become much clearer. So with Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, What's the net that you need to leave behind this morning? What's the net that you need to leave? What's, what's keeping you from giving your full allegiance, from following Jesus in all its fullness? Are you dragging your feet? What's keeping you from seeing the life and perhaps the people that God wants to show you? Creator's good road from above is close. It is time to change your thinking and begin your great journey. Jesus says, come walk the road with me and I will show you how to fish in a new way. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's an easy way to share the love. You can learn more about the local church at our website, growlocal.church or just come see us one week. Thanks for listening and love where you are.